0: whatever the audience did to me wasn't as bad as what was currently happening to me so if they didn't laugh fine if they threw things fine if they shouted out fine because I was just like crumbled and broken (laughs) at the time
1: That is the voice of the great Sarah Milliken. Uh, we, are, we are back uh, on working it out. This is uh, We're re-airing this, this episode with Sarah Milliken that I loved. Uh, we recorded last year because uh, she is doing a lot of touring of America right now. Uh, she's in San Diego and Chicago and New York and Washington, D.C. Uh, she has a new special called Bobby Dazzler. Uh, that's available to stream or download exclusively on our website, which is sarahmillican.com.co.uk. <laughs> Let me get this absolutely right. Sarah that's not, That rolls off the tongue. Um, you can find her tour dates there, find out about her special. Um, I have a couple more dates Uh, This spring, I'm doing uh, the final two dates on my own um, Mike Birbiglia live tour in Salt Lake City and uh, Mesa, Arizona. Of course, Joe Birbiglia will be along for the ride in Salt Lake City uh, because it's a nice place to go this time of year. And then I will be in um, uh, a handful of working out new material in a handful of uh, uh, small towns, including uh, Indianapolis, not-so-small town. I'll be uh, there in May. Uh, we may an- um, announce more. There's actually, I think that by the time this airs, Washington, D.C., I'm doing three sort of pop-up shows there at the club that I started out at the door at, the Washington, D.C. Improv. In the, in the late 90s. Um, and I'm going back there, so that should be really fun. All of this is on Burbigs.com, and that's where you will be the first to know uh, uh, if you sign up for the mailing list. This episode with, with Sarah is fascinating. Um, <laughs> her career started uh, with a poem that she wrote about a, a, a bad divorce that she was in. And she's ended up with one of the most popular careers in England in the last... A few decades and she is she is so funny and so honest and uh and i think i think you're really gonna like this one enjoy my conversation with the great sarah Milliken. you have such a fascinating journey in th- into comedy in in that like when i was reading about you i was like oh wow you got you you in your twenties didn't do comedy as I understand it. You were you had a day job. You you know you were civil servant. You were married yeah. and then you got divorced and then you were like and now I'm gonna do comedy and then it and then it sort of blew up. Is that is that accurate? Yeah,
0: it's fairly accurate. I think it wouldn't have even occurred to me in my twenties and certainly. I wouldn't have ever had the bottle. I don't really know if I knew that comedy clubs existed. I knew that stand-up comedians were on the television and that they went on tour and you could see them in a theatre, but I don't think I knew that. It, you know, some some people's like origin story is like they sta- sat and watched so many comedians and thought I could do better than that, and I never had sure. that because yeah, I didn't see comedy in comedy clubs um but then I got divorced I think I really needed to hit the bottom (laughs) and wow did I hit the bottom and because it was well it, it it was a surprise as well it sounds like you burst out of a cake um it wasn't a surprise like that. It was an awful surprise. I thought, I, oh, did, you ever, did you ever have a time when you thought you were happy and then you were told that you weren't? It's really weird.
1: <laughs> yeah, sure, sure, yeah. By the way, if he did burst out of a cake um, and tell you we're getting divorced, that would have been something.
0: Well, I mean, if it was a real cake, at least that would have been step one of just eat the cake. That'll help.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, consolation so prize just, number one is eat the cake. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly. You can't have him, but you can have this delicious six foot cake. That yeah, would be worth five foot cake. Anyway. Uh, so I decided <laughs> it was I would have days when I felt like I could do nothing. And then days when I felt like I could do anything. Like if somebody said you've got to climb a mountain, I'd be like, sure, get me the right shoes, you know. Um, And on one of those days, I signed up to a workshop for people who'd written but never performed. And it was mostly um, performance poets or poets who wanted to become performance poets. So I wrote a monologue. I used to write plays and short films and things before that. And I wrote a monologue all about my divorce. And then I performed it that night. And part of it made people really sad. And part of it really made people laugh. And I left it for six months. Six months I didn't do anything about it. And then I rang the woman who'd ran the workshop and I said, I think I want to try doing stand-up comedy. And she said, I know. And she'd been waiting for the call. <laughs> she knew I was going to be a stand-up before It's I like did. a fairy tale. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, that, and, that's, and that's how it started. But I really think we all have a moment when it's a bit like, not like whatever the audience did to me wasn't as bad as what was currently happening to me. So if they didn't laugh, fine. If they threw things, fine. If they shouted out, fine. Because I was just like crumbled and broken <laughs> at the time.
1: <laughs> I had a, yeah, it's so funny. I had almost an identical epiphany. I had already been doing stand up, but I had a breakup when I was like maybe twenty three years old, and it was it, it, it's it was that thing where it's like you feel like everything's gone you're a shell of a person you have nothing and then okay i guess i'll put everything into this hobby i have stand-up comedy (laughs) and then cut you know cut to the plot of sleepwalk with me where i'm driving around the country playing like every hole in the wall club
0: i think it's just it's an odd thing that how how people respond to a breakup some people are drinkers and they'll go out and get smashed and some people are promiscuous and or want to be and and I've just never been either of those things so I just got on a stage and talked to some strangers about my life and it went well thankfully because I think but I think I was ready for it it's almost like the results weren't important it was the action that was because I felt like I was finally taking control of things.
1: It's interesting that you bring up the the workshop that you took because I I, I don't know about in Britain, but, but in America, there's always this ongoing debate about, quote-unquote, comedy classes and whether comedy classes, mm. a lot of comedians will be like, they're a scam and it's a pyramid scheme and all this stuff. And then there's some people who go, well, I mean, Jon Stewart took a comedy class. You know, like there's a lot of great comics who needed – like a th- you know, there's a lot of great improvisers at UCB. You know who who, who Rob Cordry and uh, you know all these people who came out of uh, improv classes. Mm. And so I think sometimes you need a push. Like you need yeah. just something. A push that's and, an excuse, and also
0: kind of a safe space because your first gig is probably going to be standing up in front of your fellow. You know the people in your fellow newbies in your class, in front of rather than in front of an audience. So maybe it's just about a, a facility to have that one first gig that might not be horrendous. <laughs> you know yes. to get you into the second gig, which might be horrendous because most people's second gig is awful.
1: <laughs> What's funny and one of the things I that I'm so impressed by with your resume is like you're you're so prolific, and I I wonder like where like. I want to say you have five specials that are out, Mm. like one-hour comedy specials, and you're touring with, like, your next hour, which will be probably your next special. Yeah. And, you know, when a lot of my listeners are creatives, and I feel like the, the question that they'd want to ask or that they ask me sometimes online is, like, where do you even begin when the end result is six hours of comedy?
0: So I'm always writing. I never stop. In terms, I don't mean like I'm sitting for days at a time. I mean it's always kind of percolating in my brain. I'm always scribbling little notes here and there, and anything that I once I'm happy with my show. So I'm on tour now until February 2023 with this show. But now that I'm happy with it, I make I find the twiddly bits, the sort of the tags and all of that as I'm moving. Yeah. On. But once I'm happy with it, which is now, anything new that I write is banked for the next one. And oh my there's such control. It takes a lot of control because most people will just get excited about a new bit and they'll slot it in, which means you're pushing out a perfectly good bit that you're just bored of. So right. grow up, yes. stop being bored a bit, perform it better, <laughs> and bank
1: your other right. stuff.
0: Harsh. And you're harsh. really
1: scolding, scolding people. <laughs> I
0: really am. But it means oh that when they, by the time I get to the end of a tour, I usually have an hour that works for the next one. And that comes from the terror of a blank notebook, a blank screen i've I've got a rule where I won't put a tour on sale until I've half written the show because I don't think those people buying tickets should be preparing more than I am like they shouldn't be like okay well let's have a weekend away your mama look after the kids and we'll get a hotel for. they shouldn't be doing that well I'm like I don't know what it's about <laughs> like I feel right. like I should have a good idea of what it is before they're booking their taxis
1: <laughs> no I get that it's funny because I, I after I did the new one on Broadway there was like the Broadway tour which was like a whole bunch of cities, but I had already been touring it for like years and years and years. And so it was, but it was properly with the toys and the set design yeah. and all this stuff. And and it, and it it is a weird thing because it does take, it does take a certain bit of discipline like you're describing to like stick to the script, but also have it feel alive.
0: Yeah. And I think that's, the, the sort of the writing of the jokes and the honing of the jokes is one set of skills, but being able to see it night after night after night. And for people, somebody sent me a message the other day after a show saying, I know I know, you're not just talking to us like we're your friend, but that's what it feels like. But that must be really frustrating yeah. for you because it's, you know, when people say that something's effortless, and I think I hate using the word effortless because everything that yeah. eff, looks effortless is effortful. Uh, and oh, it's yes. really diminishing the work that's gone into something. But it was, it was a nice compliment because you were saying, it seems like you're chatting to us, but I know you can't be because you're doing it every night. And I think that's maybe 30% of the job is telling it like it's the first time.
1: Um, I'm, I guess that strikes out my question. How do you make it look effortless? <laughs> <laughs> just do a strike through a hand. i just working on a word him <laughs> up. I noticed on your schedule, it's like you're going to Iceland. I'm working on going to Iceland. Nice. You're going to Scandinavia, Australia. I know that you you teased Australia and and New Zealand possibly coming down the road. But like, do you, was that always part of your tour, or is that additional since the pandemic? We
0: t- I tend to add a few new places that are a bit of a punt because obviously you don't know if you're going to sell tickets there until you put the tickets on sale horrifically. No, literally because, I have
1: no idea. Because
0: sometimes people say, why don't you come to Norway? And then it seems like a lot of people are asking about Norway and it could just be one really adamant person on Facebook. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> I think about that all the time. Because you have to decide whether or not to go and spend all this time in this place and you could literally, your nightmare as a comedian is you show up and it's three yeah. people.
0: And, and, and a lot of the other people haven't even bought a ticket yet.
1: <laughs> not only is the gig bad, because there's not enough sort of laughter to be honest, but you're just embarrassed the whole time. You're like, I'm yeah. so sorry <laughs> I did this to you.
0: Because it looks like you've gone, I can sell tickets in Iceland. And then you go to yes. Iceland and you're, oh, I can't sell tickets in Iceland. Because with somewhere like Australia, while it's huge, it's also not because there's just sort of some major cities and if you play the major cities oh, absolutely. where america is so vast and has so because people yes. will say when are you coming to minnesota and i think i mean yes. probably never like maybe not we'll soon. get to do new york and chicago <laughs> and washington and l.a but i'm not sure we'll get to ohio <laughs> i'm so sorry so i don't know i don't know and when i do montreal some people come in from America. So I think, well, maybe those people will travel to places in America if I get to do some places. So that's still hanging in the balance. But Australia, New Zealand, and Canada and Europe should hopefully all be fine. And it's so exciting. Cause what I do as well is the first time I did Montreal and I did a full hour of sort of a work in progress. I picked somebody in the front to and I said, um, I want you to put your hand up if you don't understand something. And it's a great device because they put their hand up and then sometimes it's just them that hasn't understood it. (laughs) So we had a man once put his hand up and then put his hand back down again when he realized everybody laughed and he was like, Oh, it's just me. Um, Oh, that's
1: really interesting. (laughs) Yeah.
0: But, If I find out what that is, because obviously there are language differences. I like that tactic
1: a lot. Yeah, well, it's
0: a way of me being able to... I never liked it when people say, like, like if I was to do a show in America and say, I was in Walmart, I would never say that unless it had happened while I was in America. But if it happened here, I would say, I was in Asda, which is a bit like your Walmart. And then people connect it and they go, oh, so I know the kind of shop you're talking about. Carry on. But it's when... Like I saw uh, Chris Rock in, in Manchester and he was like, I was in Moss Side and I was like, were you? <laughs> were you? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't
0: think you were in That's a funny. tiny part of Manchester. I think you probably got the plane <laughs> yes. and then you went to the hotel, to the venue, to the hotel, to the plane. Yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he might have done, I don't know. <laughs> but I feel like if I can give the translation, if I can say... Uh, I did this like if I was to call something a smear test then I know that you guys call it a pap smear so I would probably call it a pap smear but I wouldn't pretend I'd been somewhere in America if I hadn't you know
1: no and I and I and I always I I always think I always vet my references Mm. whenever I go to Australia or London or whatever it is with the new my new show I talk extensively about the YMCA pool and so I've asked a lot of comics uh in the UK whether or not the YMCA even exists mm. and I, I apparently i mean does it do you are you familiar with it i
0: would know what you mean um okay. uh, so i think i would i would understand that it would be a uh, sort of a local slightly shit pool
1: <laughs> <laughs> i think that's that's their tagline i think <laughs> <laughs> we can get that we can get a uh, we can get a graphic of that mocked up <laughs> ymca a local shit pool. <laughs> this is an interesting theory that eddie Izzard said to me a few years ago which is uh she goes um you can do comedy in english basically everywhere in the world right now and i was shocked by that i was like wow she basically she was like, "I went to Moscow, you know. I went to, you know, I I played Germany, mm. I play, and just listed off all these places where it's not English speaking, predominantly English speaking countries, and I was kind of astounded by it. And I'm I'm I, I'm I, I hope to try that. That speaking of sort of pandemic revelations, mine is just like, well." No time like the present, I gotta see more of the world. Yeah. (laughs) Which is why I'm going to like Iceland and, you know, and, and, uh, and and France. I'm gonna do France. I I know it's a non English speaking country, but I'm gonna do Paris.
0: But there'll be, there'll be enough sort of British expats and there'll also be enough, Mm -hmm. um, people who love like every time I do Montreal it seems to be just full of loads of people who love British comedy so they've watched loads of sitcoms and they've watched loads of stand-ups and so they can tune their ear quite easily what I love is that when I post up saying I'm going to Europe some people genuinely think I've learned like eight other languages and I'm translating (laughs) and I think no no I'm really arrogant (laughs) I want you to come to me
1: (laughs) right (laughs) We do this thing on the show called The Slow Round, and one of the questions that I always ask, just because it's a strong sense memory, is do you have a smell that you remember from your own childhood?
0: There was a perfume, I know that's probably too on the nose, but there was a perfume that I used to wear um, when I was a teenager that was, I mean, it was it smelled so sugary, I, I'm surprised I didn't get diabetes like through my skin, <laughs> and it was called exclamation and it was um the tagline on the on the advert was uh, make a statement without saying a word and the statement was fuck that stinks
1: <laughs> 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 but i think i don't know
0: why because i was very quiet and and i think i it appealed to me the idea that i didn't have to say a word
1: <laughs> yeah yeah spoke for you yeah. spoke for you do you have a do you have a memory from that period like that's on a loop, like that you just think of sometimes, but it's not even a full story?
0: I suppose um, I kind of, I really remember um, the last school disco we had, and I bought a beautiful velvet dress that was sort of off the shoulder, very uh, tasteful, but really nice. And I really thought that was going to make people look at me and talk to me and and I, but it's oh, all about how you walk in a room. And I could have walked in a room with jeans on and confidence, and more people would have talked to me because I just sort of moused into the room and stood in a sure. corner in my lovely dress that nobody cared about. And I think, oh
1: my gosh, I'm yes. fascinated
0: because this is, well, actually, one of the, the bits of material I wanted to talk to you about was sort of linked yeah. to that. If I don't know how she became this, and I think that's yes. what my next show is about.
1: Oh, that's interesting. How how the person that you were as a kid yeah. became the person you are now. I
0: have no idea. So somebody who I used to go to school with sent me a photograph only about a month ago um, that I've never seen of myself at the age of about 13. And she said, did you go on the skiing trip? And I said, no. And she said, I'm pretty sure this is a photograph of the skiing trip. And oh, I think there's this tiny chance that I went on a skiing trip and never skied. Like, what did I do? Oh, no kidding. I don't know. Right. Because she's You just added... drink hot
1: chocolate. <laughs> exactly.
0: And <laughs> the photograph <laughs> I have on a blazer and it's out of school hours. So I'm wearing a fashion blazer at the age of 13. I have a brooch. I have a brooch on <laughs> that I've chosen to go. Like, I was... That's, I think this is why I'm good at being 46, because I think I've always been 46.
1: About 46. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because. I'm the same. I'm the, I have a joke in my new show where I go like, I go, this has been my hairline since I was like 15. When I was a teenager, my hair was like, <laughs> it's stressful around here. We're going to have to lay <laughs> off some strands. <laughs> like, like, I basically look like this at 15.
0: We can't keep all was, you guys on. We can't keep you. Yeah, phone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love that as an idea for a show, though, because I know what you mean. Like, it's like, how do you arrive at, at sort of who you are from where you where you came from?
0: And in the photograph, it's at, a, it's at a dinner table, clearly in some kind of cafe or restaurant. And there's three of the people, one of whom is my bully i'm sitting beside my bully
1: oh wow And no
0: wonder i look sort of annoyed and wow i've got my brooch on i'm <laughs> like what i've got a brooch on <laughs> and a blazer on everybody else is in like jumpers and earrings and they're all looking you know 13 and i look right. like I'm, a, I'm about i've got to get back to the office because i've got to do the wages that's what you know i look i look like i'm you know an office manager
1: did your bully ever beat you up physically
0: no. So I two or oh, two shows ago I wrote a story about um a girl from school who emailed me with this huge long email. Uh, she emailed me sort of I'd not seen her since we left school and she emailed this huge life story like who she married and what her kids are called and where she's lived and yeah. what she's done completely unsolicited and she was awful to me at school and I replied (laughs) and all I said was um, because I thought you can't reply and say you were my bully or you were awful to me Uh, because um, she might remember it differently (laughs) so I replied this is probably the only reply you're going to get from me because I don't remember you very favorably that's Oh all I my said. god! That's so funny. <laughs> that is so polite. But also, Weird. she can't come back on that because if I say I don't remember you favourably, she 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 has no she has no recourse on that. Because if she if she comes back, if I say you were my bully or you were awful to me, she can say no, that's not you misremembered that. Where this way, she had no reply, and in fact, she didn't reply. And it, I love that.
1: Oh Even my gosh. though
0: I felt kind of attacked by her when I was it, it sort of, um, she would kind of be mean about me to other people and kind of push people away and that sort of thing and she's in this photograph and she's and she's the worst kind of bully that i think the one that pretends to be your friend um that is the worst yes. kind. And uh. like, so I was on stage the other day and a woman, I was talking to a woman in the audience and it's in like a thousand seat or whatever and she, she shouted something out. And then she said, no, Sarah. And she kind of reprimanded me. And I said, <laughs> no, Sarah. Yeah, no, Sarah. What I said was, and I said, oh, are you a teacher? Because you're there's something about you I really don't like. And I oh said that in front of a thousand and it got a response because she had been really patronizing. But it was a thousand people. And you think, I'm sitting beside my bully eating yes. like nuggets or whatever, <laughs> and I'm <laughs> not able to even
1: have the confidence to
0: sit beside somebody else. Yet now yeah. I'm like sassing all over the place.
1: You know what's so funny? The, I wasn't going to bring this up, but you're saying the thing about email. Someone sent me an email the other day by accident, mm-hmm. but it was so extensive. It was they, I think it was Autofill Mike, some, some okay. other Mike. But it was extensive. It was, dear Mike, I was sorry for us to learn you decided to say goodbye to our company. Though we haven't seen each other much in recent years, I've always enjoyed your view of things. And know we will be the poorer without your good offices. But I also know (laughs) you have many other... Things that will keep you engaged. All the best for the future, Jonathan. And it's not me. I don't know who it is. I literally don't know who it is. This guy, Jonathan. So I wrote back, Jonathan, I think this wasn't intended for me unless I have forgotten a long period of my life. Sincerely, <laughs> Mike <Birbiglia>. <laughs> <laughs> Email, Email is out of control at this point.
0: But I don't feel like it's not... It's it's polite but it's not specific. It it's to yes. me it sounds like it's a cut and paste. Yes. And it's so it's so offensive. It's almost worse than no email. <laughs> <sighs>
1: I agree. But I feel like
0: one of my rules is if I'm going to write a terse email, if I'm writing a letter of complaint or something like this, I put the email address address in last because the tendency is to start from the top and you do oh, email address, then 100%. you do subject, hundred
1: percent, and you yes. do that
0: last because then if somebody says, "Do you want a cup of tea?" and you go, "Oh, I'd love a cup of tea," and then send, "Oh my god, I hadn't finished it, I hadn't taken all the swearing out," <laughs> so the, you need to do the advice. email address, email this
1: address is last. <laughs> I know. Okay, for the listeners, I know this seems like minutia. What Sarah's saying right now might seem, especially if you're younger, you're twenty, you're listening, you might be like, "Who cares?" Put the email in last. Doesn't matter. Actually, brilliant advice.
0: Yeah, and also it that could I save have your just job. Learned. It could save your job. It, it could, could save, save a save relationship. Yes. It could save a yes. friendship.
1: Oh my god. <laughs> um, what is a piece of advice someone has given you in your life that you used and it worked?
0: Um, so I have two um, One is something I came up with So it's not really answering the question
1: But okay. I use it
0: all of the time And that is I came up with a thing called um, I call it the 11 o'clock rule But a lot of people call it Millikan's Law Which I do not mind
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> Which
0: is um, If you do a gig and it goes badly You're only allowed to be annoyed at yourself Until 11am the next day
1: Oh, I love that. E-
0: equally, if you nail it and you smash it and you have the best, yeah. and they're carrying it out on their shoulders, you're only yeah. allowed to be smug until 11 a.m. the next day. Oh, and the wow. reason is, no matter what, which of those ends of the spectrum you're going into your next gig, you will die. If you go in and thinking I'll be shit, you will die. If you go in thinking I'll be amazing, you will die. Yeah.
1: So yes. you
0: shake it off, and I have been known to get up a bit earlier. It's to, to be smug for longer, <laughs> like set an alarm. I need to be smug yeah. for two hours. I'm getting up at nine. Um, and it's a, it was partly because when you do like the Edinburgh Fringe and you're doing a show every day, sometimes multiple gigs a day,
1: you need yeah. to shake
0: it off and you need to go in fresh on every single one. So that's a slight cheat answer because I came up with that myself. But I love that it was passed down to other comics and it's passed down from
1: generation. I think it's adorable. Uh, building on that one, Jimmy Kimmel once gave me this piece of advice which is it never it never went as well as you thought It never went as poorly as you thought.
0: Nice. That is re- and it's true. It's totally true. Yes. You know, advice um Frankie Boyle gave me. I did one tour support for him once filling in for his normal tour support and he said nothing's ever wasted. And I love that. Oh, that's so nice. If you that's nice. write a joke and it's not working in this show, maybe in five years' time, it'll come back when you talk about that subject again. It'll fit in a bit better. Or maybe you'll sell it to another comedian. Or maybe you'll yeah. write a play and it'll slot in right. somebody else's mouth, you know? um Yeah. Or uh, you
1: could say it on, a, on a talk show or, or in yeah, a, in yeah. a spe- speech for something. So yeah. that
0: really helps. But also, a Probably my the best advice I've ever been given is from my dad. And he said, there's nothing you can't do. There's no such thing as can't. He said, there's one thing you can't do, which is um, go up to your bedroom window, stick your bum out of the window, come back downstairs into the garden and throw stones at it. That is the only thing you can't do. And everything else is achievable.
1: <laughs> that is that is so funny. Let's unpack that for a second, because. I feel like it's a little bit of an existential conundrum. You can't stick your butt out the window, go outside, throw stones at it, because your butt will be gone by the time you get down stairs. Yeah. makes sense. In other words, you can't be at two pl- in two places at the same time. Yeah. Wow, but I every, love that. But
0: everything else is achievable. And it's such a great sort of blanket rule to have in your life that if somebody says, like I was told, women don't sell DVDs. Women, just women, yeah. female comics don't sell DVDs. So I just yeah. thought well, maybe this one will. And I worked really hard. Oh, that's
1: nice. Good for you. Yeah,
0: and I, like, the first DVD um, uh, broke records of female comics on DVD in the UK. And, And then, so I've had... It's weird because you guys call them specials. And I guess my next one will be special. Uh, special because yeah, yeah. DVDs don't exist.
1: DVDs don't exist. No. Yeah.
0: And some people still send me a message saying, Are you making a DVD? And you think, I mean, maybe we'll burn one for you, but <laughs> I don't think there's gonna be loads.
1: <laughs> for posterity, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you did did you find early on as a as a female comic, did you find obstacles like that? Because I love that attitude of just like, yeah, maybe I'll maybe I'll break the record.
0: Yeah, I think it's um because so so I didn't find it so much on stage. I think initially, I think it's better now. I think when you, when a woman walks out on stage now, because there are so many amazing female comics and so many amazing female comics working every day, that I think people go, they don't go, oh, it's a woman. And you don't get introduced on stage like the next comic, give her a go, you know, she might be all right. You know, you don't get oh that gosh. so much like you used <laughs> to get in the early days.
1: Did you I used, to used to get that? Was yeah. that, was, was that, oh, they'd really? say,
0: they'd make a, a point of saying she. So people would say, the next comic she and you could feel the audience go oh and it's amazing because when a when a bloke when a male comedian doesn't do very well on stage people don't go men aren't funny (laughs) but when a female comic doesn't do well not so much now but back in the day they did that and i used to do sort of um newspaper interviews and often they would say one of the questions would be why aren't women funny wow and you're like but it's like and that would be me, the question he,
1: for you yeah. from the interview and
0: often from a female journalist not just this is not a you know especially a sexist thing. it's shocking. just kind of like a common opinion yeah. which is so weird because it's like me saying i find it's like me saying why aren't men tall <laughs> like it just doesn't make any <laughs> <Right>. sense <laughs> to me at all but it is much much better now and i think it's because there are just so many great female comics um but i feel like rather than telling people that you're good, you just have to work and work and work so that if, you know, if an audience are a bit arms crossed because you're a woman, you want them to uncross them. You don't want to say, you're not going to find me funny because, you know, you're or sexist. Daughter. You just sit back and you just do your job and you do it well, hopefully, and then the arms become uncrossed. And obviously it's different now because when I walk out on stage, like if people are surprised I'm a woman, I don't know why they bought a ticket because <laughs> it's like my name and right. my poster, no, certainly. And, you know. But it's... I think it's less so now, and certainly on television it's less so. Um, and, But I feel like when I was told, like, oh, women don't sell DVDs, they didn't make me go, oh, well, <laughs> thanks anyway. Right. I'll see you another time. I just thought, well, maybe they didn't, but maybe they do now. And maybe, <laughs> right. well, you know, I'm not very good yeah. at being told no. <laughs> so... <laughs>
1: We were talking about bullies earlier, and I wrote this down the other day. My dad never hit me as a kid, which is a relief. But the guy who punched me in the head 15 times when I was in ninth grade, his dad hit him. So in a way, that guy's dad hit me. And I think what I'm saying is in life, you're bound to get punched by somebody's dad. (laughs)
0: And then maybe even someone's granddad, like it could go on forever, could oh, Yes, yes, it? yes, <laughs> yes.
1: It's generational.
0: <laughs> yeah, it really is. <laughs> and did he, while he was punching you, was, that, was he like, my dad did this to me? Was that how you found out?
1: <laughs> no. You know what's so sad about it? You uh, know what's so sad about it is that I found out, like I was so mad about it. This guy beat me up uh, a couple times, ninth grade, all boys Catholic school. And... I was so mad about it. I was really obsessing about it every day. And this guy, Rich, who sat in front of me in every class, I would just blabber on like, I'm so mad. This is unfair. This guy beat the crap out of me and nothing happened to him, all this stuff. And one day Rich said to me, he goes, well, I don't think Joey's dad is so nice to him. And so maybe maybe you're just lucky that that's, that's not your dad and it really hit me hard and it Mm. really stuck with me through my life of like thinking through when you have some a hardship to think about the other people involved and what their backstory
0: is i don't care (laughs) 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 because that sounds to me like the the chain is that you should then find somebody else to punch so that it just carries on but it's a It's a brave person who stops the chain, and
1: oh, certainly, certainly. But I don't think Rich was defending it. I I think honestly, Rich was being trying to commiserate and just be like, "Look, like this guy's got it rough," and you know, it's it's. Just let let him have his fun.
0: (laughs) Let
1: him have his fun.
0: (laughs) This is his hobby.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a family tradition. (laughs) It's a family tradition. That's funny. Maybe that's the line. Is uh, yeah, my dad never hit me. Yeah. You're bound to get punched by somebody's dad or grandfather or uncle. I think
0: boys are so mean to other boys. And it's, it is clearly a way of expression, isn't it? It's because they're not, he's not going to come up to you and go, can I talk about how awful and abusive my dad is? Where, I mean, I'm not saying girls at that age would necessarily do that, but girls do talk a lot more. And that's how boys get it out of their system horrifically. And hopefully that's turning and boys can express themselves more. But and I, I do like the idea from a comedic point of view that he's just, oh, this is just what you do. This is what my family does. Like he's a plumber, I'm gonna be a plumber. He punches people, I'm gonna <laughs> <Right>. punch people.
1: <laughs> my dad beats the shit out of people. I'm gonna beat the shit yeah. out of people. Maybe my children are yeah. gonna beat the <laughs> shit out of people. And
0: maybe this is the way to make his dad <laughs> proud as well.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He comes caring in. Like, yeah, carrying on the grigioni name.
0: Yeah. Red Knuckles and Courtney's yeah, yeah. dad's like my boy
1: <laughs> oh my gosh oh. that's I like that and then I got two other quick ones yep, about my parents me. which is um, my mom calls every piece of technology invented past 1985 a car phone <laughs> and, um, and then she literally does and then uh, we uh, and then we got my dad an iPhone but he treats it like a walkie talkie he's like <laughs> we'll meet you at the Olive Garden over <laughs> Order me a diet soda. Over. He he only uses speakerphone. I'm not sure he knows there's phone. And I, you know, I'll be on the phone with him. It's like God knows where he is. He'll you know he'll be like Michael. Tell me about your urology appointment. I'm like Dad. Am I on speakerphone in a grocery store? He's like, what speakerphone? I'll have I'll have a half pound of provolone cheese. It's I, an odd default. Yeah. If I
0: ever am talking to somebody and I have it on speakerphone for whatever reason, I will say you're on... Even if I'm in the house on my own, I will still too. say you're on speakerphone. Me You need to announce it. You can't... It can't be the default... But it's good that you know that it's the default. Did it take you a while to realise that?
1: Oh, I think so. Mm,
0: I, think, I bet. I, I, I bet some people I, in some grocery stores know too much about you now.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> Tell. Do, are you? Is there any material you're oh, working on that you want to kick around? I
0: had a, so I had a bit about. Um, so in the middle of the lockdown, I wanted to try and make vegetables more fun <laughs> <laughs> to, gotcha. to stop me eating quite so many sort of ice creams uh so i I bought a mandolin uh the vegetable slicer um, okay and i bought it i got so excited and i threw the instructions away because i'm not an idiot and i never read instructions i just press buttons and remember what it does and i threw away something that was genuinely called a finger protector (laughs) oh
1: wow oh my gosh
0: and then i sliced uh, vegetables and I was shouting to my husband because I need all of the attention. We realized, you know, if you have a catchphrase in your house, something that you say a lot, mine is you're not looking.
1: <laughs> it's <laughs> the thing I say the
0: most in our house. You're not looking because yeah. I'm clearly always doing a bit. It's so irritating. And I was slicing a vegetable and I went, look, Gary, look. And then I screamed and there was a tiny part of me on the bench still on a slice of courgette. No, and. No my husband will react in extreme ways. So he either thinks uh, it's fine or it's an ambulance. And he oh went the gosh. wrong way on this one. And he handed me oh a gosh. bottle of like antiseptic sort of stuff. And I was oh like, oh, no, there's like gosh. part of me on the oh. bench. So then he did. So this is the story that I'm trying like to make. how much
1: of you? How much of you? Just
0: a tip, not, not loads. Tip but like of your finger. Pink. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So then. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so he went, he, he rang uh, to find like uh, not like not like an emergency number but rang to see should like because there's certain rules about how long something bleeds for as to whether you need to go and yeah. we didn't know no, we did i know. know
1: i know so yeah. he was
0: doing an online quiz uh and I said, so I said in the bit, like obviously like, a, like an NHS medical one, it wasn't like, um, tell me your favourite Disney princess and we'll tell you what pizza toppings you like. It wasn't BuzzFeed. Oh my
1: God. And then, <laughs>
0: and he was, he was on the phone and also on a computer and both at the same yeah. time said, a and A, you have to go to the emergency room. So we get in the car, the emergency room is uh. uh, tw- uh, tw- 25 minutes away. And I have like a kitchen roll and I'm wrapping it around and it's just going red and I'm dropping it and I'm wrapping it around and it's going red. (laughs) So much blood. Oh my
1: God. Uh... And then we
0: got there and I was holding it aloft because I thought that would be the right thing to do. And they brought me in with a nurse and the nurse and I handed her the bag because I'd seen on the television that you'd take the bit of you in some
1: ice. Oh my God. So the bit
0: of courgette zucchini and well away and that had a little bit of finger on it and it was in the bag oh. of ice. And the nurse looked at it and she said, what were you going to have for your dinner?
1: <laughs> that oh, was my God.
0: And I thought this was that's hilarious. A
1: riot. And I that said, like a, riot. A, like a
0: stir fry? And she went, oh. oh my and then God. she put her foot on the foot pedal of the bin and she dropped it in. And I said, are we not reattaching? And she said, no, oh. it's not worth it. <laughs> but oh she was my God. so... that's so funny. <laughs> I think it's really funny. And then oh my she... um. Because I said, like, in the bit when I've tried it, and it doesn't really work, and I don't know why, but I said, luckily this happened in, like, a city centre, because if this had been in my hometown, which is very small, I would have been on the front page of the local newspaper. And I had a headline of roly-poly local comic, Baffles NHS, and then, like, a nurse quoting saying it was some sort of cucumber or something like that. But then what ended up happening, because it healed, obviously, it took ages, it's still a bit weird, but... It got, oh. For a while, it was so sensitive that uh, the line oh. that I had was that it was so sensitive. I wondered that my clitoris had
1: moved. So. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> but what a much easier uh, way, like a much better
0: access, isn't it? Oh
1: god! If it's
0: on the end of there,
1: yes, sure, certainly had <laughs> <Head>, had moved. <laughs> this is very funny. Bodies are amazing,
0: but I, it never quite works, and I don't know if it's because people are horrified by and they can you know some people are really squeamish
1: it is horrifying i mean it's very funny it's also very horrifying i had an incident during pandemic that's pretty similar which is and i tried writing about it but it's like and we'll circle back to to your story but i thought this might Mm. lend some color to it i was opening like a like a a, a a a metal jar a metal jar basically and it slit my finger open and and it was that one of those things where similar it was like uh it's not stopping <laughs> and i literally started crying because not just from the pain cuz it did hurt but it just from the thought of going to the hospital yeah
0: yeah and also because it, right in the middle of like, I could go in with, you know, yeah. a, a, and come out with COVID, you know, and this was- That's like what before, I mean. That's yeah, what I mean. It, talk like about-, an, about and, and
1: like self-inflicted. Talk about adding insult to injury.
0: Self-inflicted because I fancied <laughs> a fan, like a nicer way of having vegetables. I tried to make vegetables oh, yeah, yeah. more fun. And one of the things when I first cut it and I put it under the, I thought I'll run it under the tap, which really hurt, terrible idea- But my husband had had a kiwi fruit and had sliced the top off and left it in the sink, and it perfectly filled the plug hole. (laughs) So the sink was just filling up with my blood,
1: (laughs) and it was just so
0: many horrific images.
1: Okay, so okay, so this this is instructive. This is instructive. No, no. Here's what I think is like: it's a great story and it's got great punchlines. I would thin out how how long you spend in the injury section. Because yeah. it's so squeamish and yeah. it's so painful, and and I would just try to find the joke soil of the punchline. So like, there's the great line where she goes, "What were you cooking?" Yeah, and, you know, which is just a great line. And I feel like there's a potential joke there, which is like, "Well, I tried to cook my foot and I missed." You know, <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> the, like like I feel like there's something there, and I also feel like it's. Um, like, unpacking – like, Ira Glass, who's been on this podcast a bunch mm. of times and, we, and we've collaborated a lot over the years, he always asked me this great question, which is, like, is like you have the story and then you have how you feel about the story.
0: Right, yes. And a,
1: a lot of, like, storytelling is just, like, and then I sliced my finger and then how did I feel about that? And yeah. then we drove in the car and then how did I feel about that? And then we talked to the nurse and then how did I feel about that? Yeah. And I feel like you're, you ha- you're a little – you have great plot – And you're a little short on how do I feel about it.
0: Yeah. And also, I think sometimes when you tell truthful stories, the tendency is to tell it all when really you don't need it all.
1: You don't have to. Yeah.
0: Because you want to be honest. So you think, well, I have to tell them the bit about the drive. And when maybe if that's not funny or it's not moving it along, then maybe you can take stuff out as well. But no, you're right. Maybe it needs less plot and more. I mean, more jokes for sure, but also more reaction. Yeah, you're right. There's, oh, there's, also
1: a potential, there's also a potential circle back at the end, which is like, you know, my takeaway from this whole experience is I should not be eating so healthy.
0: <laughs> well, I thought because I was trying to lose weight and I kind of did, <laughs> but just a really yeah, small yeah. amount of Oh, that's of funny. Weight.
1: That's funny. I like that too. <laughs> I kind of did. I, I, lo- I lost about two ounces.
0: <laughs> yeah, if I could do that just like, you know, daily. <laughs> oh, my God. That's I have, horrible. I have nine other fingers and thumbs. That I could take oh the edge off, <laughs> <laughs> just to make my weight-watchers uh, lady happy.
1: <laughs> oh my god! Oh, that's so funny. So, let, do you have any more bits that you want to run past? Um, or-
0: let me have a look. Oh, I've got one little. I've got one little. So, I have this bit that doesn't quite work about how I'm very emotional, perhaps too emotional, and my husband is the other extreme. So I think if in years to come, somebody said uh, 20 years time, uh, an FBI agent was sitting in my kitchen in the black suit and the curly wire, which is how I imagine. uh, And they said, you've been married to a robot for 20 years. I'd go, (laughs) oh, sure. Of course. But why did you give me a robot with asthma? And they would say to make it more believable. And I'd go, that makes total sense. Because otherwise you'd be like, why is he never at the doctors? Why doesn't he have a prescription for anything? He's in his 40s. Surely he should have a prescription. So maybe I need to you know, not yes. necessarily a spider diagram, but you know when you sometimes right. you talk on stage and you talk bigger and you go out in different directions and then yes. work out the funny bits and then bring it back into just those bits. Oh Maybe yeah, that's what I, I need think to that,
1: do. I think that's great. I think that I think that for me, where it sings is where a lot of times when I'm working on jokes with collaborators, like I, I think about like where is it, where is it really hooking me in, and then where am I sort of getting bored or losing the thread? Where it really hooks me in is where you go like why would i give it asthma if it's a robot because it's it's like a high concept of what if my husband's a robot secretly and then it's this sort of observational personal jab in the middle of like why would he have asthma which is like i feel like you could do three of those why does he have a high hairline why does he you know what i mean like why he wears glasses (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Why do he wear glasses? Exactly. He's got perfect he, vision. He's a robot. But he robot. doesn't have
0: any fillings, and his teeth are so there. You know, that's not oh, right. That's not right, is it?
1: <laughs> but I feel like that's like a perfect example of like I sometimes uh, you know when Joe and I are working on stuff, we'll call that like joke soil, like the area ah. where the jokes could be in the premise. Yes, I think there could potentially be a causality to that where you go where you say the premise of I'm, I think he might be a robot, and you do your jokes there. And then you say, um, and every once in a while, I'll see evidence of it.
0: (laughs) I I mean, I do plug him in every night. (laughs)
1: Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. (laughs) Sometimes he needs
0: updating.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Sometimes when I plug him in. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, Yeah, I think I
0: need to make it more ridiculous as well. Because at the moment, it's all just you know, it's a bit silly and it's not really pushed it too far right. down that road. I like that.
1: I like that, though. That's a good little ping pong. It's like, every now and then there are clues. Like, I'll plug him in at night and I'll <laughs> think, why does he need this much power? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe, yeah. Well, I'll thank you for that. I think I'll... It's sometimes it's so easy when something doesn't work the first time to just be too scared to tinker and just to think, oh, I'm just going to leave that then.
1: Yeah, and also the how you feel of it all is like, in some ways, like, wouldn't that be nice if that were true? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> or, you know what I mean? <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> like, I, when I was younger, I did think, will I ever get a boyfriend? And maybe I still haven't had one.
1: <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> It also, by the way, ties into the cutting your finger too, because his reaction to that is oh, not yeah. quite. Oh yeah, and the fact that he quite... was on
0: the phone and on the doing the quiz. Yes. Yeah, that's true. Oh, that's nice. Thank you.
1: So the final thing we do is called working it out for our cause, and we and basically, we take uh, if if you have a nonprofit that you like to support, I contribute to them, and I link to them in the show notes.
0: Oh, that's okay. So Thank you. Um, There's a British charity called the Samaritans who run a phone line uh, for people who are struggling uh, with uh, mental health problems and with uh, potential sort of suicidal thoughts. And it is 24-7 and they are incredible. And uh, everybody who works for them uh, on the phone lines are all volunteers. So all the money goes to keeping the phones on and, and keeping everything running. And we support them on the tour and we raised £185,000 oh, wow. on the last tour. And I, we're doing it again on this tour. And I thought... The, the the numbers would be lower because people have obviously spent their savings or they haven't earned anything or they've been furloughed or whatever. People have had, uh, you know, a lot less money. But amazingly, because of the power of people, it's actually gone up. And I think it's because wow. when people you know, when people have got nothing, they help other people who have nothing. And I think it's extraordinary. Yeah. And we get people to throw in uh, on, on the way out and that money stays in that area. So I always say like, this could end up say, you know, helping somebody in this actual room, you know, because the Aww. money stays in the area. And they call the Samaritans and they're incredible. They're absolutely amazing.
1: That's great. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to contribute to them and, and I'm going to link in the show notes and Sarah thanks for doing this this is like what a blast talking to you oh, I feel like I could, I could talk to you about jokes for like 15 hours straight
0: oh it was so much fun thank you and really helpful I love that you, you can have a nice podcast chat and then you come away with like new ideas for your jokes <laughs> working
1: it out cause it's not done working it out cause there's no that's going to do it for another episode of Working It Out. Uh, I love that Sarah Millican. She's so funny. See her live if you can. She is touring all over the place, all over the world. Uh, you can follow her on Twitter at sarahmillican Sarah Millican 75 or on Instagram at @TheSarahMillican. the Sarah Our producers of Working It Out are myself, along with Peter Salamone and Joseph Berbiglia, consulting producer Seth Barish, sound mix by Kate Belinsky, sound recordist Parker Lyons, associate producer Mabel Lewis. Thanks to my consigliere Mike Berkowitz, as well as Marissa Hurwitz and Josh Upfall. Special thanks to Jack Antonoff and Bleachers for their music. As always, a very special thanks to my wife, the poet J-Hope Stein. Our book is The New One. It merges comedy and poetry. It's at your local bookstore. And as always, a special thanks to my daughter, Una, who helped create the original Radio Fort made of pillows. Thanks so much for listening. If you're liking the show, throw us some stars on Apple Podcasts. Write a little review about why you like it. I read them all. I actually find the feedback to be very helpful. Um, it's, uh, It's helpful to understand what people are connecting to about the show. I'm loving this journey. If you like the show, tell your friends, maybe even mention it to your enemies. We're working it out. See you next time, everybody.